0: All right, Proverbs chapter 12, and uh, we're going to have some notes on the screen in just a moment, and most of the scripture we use will be on the screen, but uh, you may have your Bible with you, which is a good thing, and I know it's a new day. Uh, The Bible is um, on the phones, and so a lot of our staff read the Bible on the phone. Uh, I still like to read it from here the Holy Bible, right here, all right? So uh, anyway, uh, no, <laughs> it's the Word, whether it's on a phone or written in a book, all right? Uh, in the Bible, it's, a, it's the Word of God. So it's a new day, an exciting day to reach people, to serve the Lord, and to be a part of what God is doing in the kingdom and here in Orlando. I'm so excited, there's so many good churches here in Orlando, thank God for every one of them but since we're here, I thank God for this one. Yes, and all of them all over the city. Praise God. God's raising up churches and people and evangelists and um, people that are just love the Lord and doing the work of the ministry, whether it's in a local church or um, parachurch organization. It's just very, very exciting to be alive today right before we believe the Lord comes back. So anyway... Uh, Let's pray. That's a good thing to do. Proverbs chapter 4, And let's pray. Father, thank you. You see what every person is going through in this building. God, you see the one that came in? Filled to overflowing with gratitude and thanks and praise. You see the one that walked in? trying to figure out how they're gonna make it through the next week or so. God, I pray that you would touch every person within the sound of my voice here in the auditorium, there in the atrium, those online listening. I pray, God, that you would touch them. Wherever they are, may the Spirit of God come upon us all. Cover us, God, with your glorious presence. May the Spirit move upon our hearts. Touching us, helping us, challenging us. Holy Spirit of God, have your way in every one of our hearts. And we give you thanks. We give you praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Proverbs chapter 4. Solomon, of course, writing most of the book of Proverbs and as a result of a simple prayer. A simple prayer, but a profound prayer prayer. Think about it. It uh, came as a result of a dream in the middle of the night. And so he prayed a prayer. And instead of asking for riches or uh, fame, he asked for wisdom. And as a result, God gave him riches and gave him fame. uh, Still, a good portion of the world's population today still knows who Solomon is. And some of the things that he did and the the wisdom that was expressed through his life and his time as king. And yet, with all that great wisdom, toward the end of his life, there was a drifting away from God. Brought about as a result of the wives that he had brought into his life and let influence him. And so, there's no indication that Solomon um, uh, lived a righteous life at the end of his life. Uh, to the contrary, there's evidence that seems to appear that he turned to away from the wisdom of God and uh, away from righteousness. So how sad a great story that started great uh, ended in a a tragedy. And so God help us to have wisdom. So we go back. Uh, Just because somebody fails doesn't mean we fail. Amen? And uh, we go back and we look at see that important part of that prayer. And so I want us right now to pray again because I want everyone in this building and listening online. And in the I want us all to ask God for wisdom, all right? So in just a moment, we're going to pray. And I, I believe that as you pray, this prayer... And sincerity that God is going to answer this prayer and some of you are facing situations and you don't know what to do well right now we're gonna say God give me your wisdom and God knows how to do everything and God knows what to do in every situation so let's pray father in the name of Jesus Christ, just pray out with me loud. Jesus Almighty God, we ask you for wisdom, Lord God. You said, if any man lack it, that we are to ask. And so I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would give me wisdom. You would give every person that is asking right now the wisdom of God, for our situation, our life, our destiny, your will in our lives. We thank you and praise you for that wisdom in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Now anticipate, anticipate that wisdom is gonna flow through your life and especially in those situations where Right now, tonight, you need uh, the wisdom of God. It's available to you as you've just prayed. All right, Solomon was, of course, addressing future leaders in Israel as he wrote these uh, words in the book of Proverbs. He was addressing young men, future political leaders, governmental leaders in the uh, uh, kingdom, uh, young men, but his children also, His children. So um, God is speaking through Solomon. Who's going to teach? And let me strike out the end, or who's going to teach our families? Today, uh, we can't depend, though. Thank God for a good youth ministry, middle school ministry. And uh, we are planning, for those of you that attend on Saturday night, we are planning hopefully in January to start up the middle school ministry on Saturday night so that Kids that don't want to get up, can't hardly get up on Sunday morning. We can get them here on Saturday night. right? We want to do our part in training and instructing children and uh, teenagers and young adults and college-age students and the voice in our classes and our services teaching and guiding young people, and that's what Solomon is doing, giving wisdom from God to the next generation. So who's going to do it? But it's not enough just to depend on the church. You and I, or you that still have children at home, ours are grown and gone. Uh, But they're, well, some of them came back Sunday night. They've already gone. Uh, Tomorrow night, Pray for Alice. She's still not feeling well, but five of our grandkids, Joshua and Mandy's uh, coming in with five of theirs. It's going to be a blast. Pray for me. All right. So anyway, it's uh, no, I love them to pieces and they love me. And and uh, when they love you, they want you to play with them. So pray for me. All right. So anyway, who's going to teach your, your children? Who's going to teach your, your kids, your teenagers? You are, you're going to be the main teacher in their lives, not a class here. That's uh that's beneficial of course, but that is additional to your teaching and guiding and directing their lives, which you have the opportunity Every day and every night of your lives, take life situations and use them for the glory of God, for a biblical application in their lives. All right, God holds the mother and the father responsible to cultivate a spiritual atmosphere in the home so that a child can come to know the Lord and learn the first principles of wisdom for godly living, so much so that as they get older, they're going to be steadfast. And, and listen, some of you, your children, you did your best, but they temporarily turned away. Well, you've trained them, you've taught them, and uh, one of these days, they're coming home, amen? Spiritually, they're coming back. You just claim that, you confess that, you speak that, because that's biblical, all right? So don't you ever say, "I I don't know if they'll ever come back. Oh, yes, you do, no. They're coming back to the kingdom of God where you have taught them and embraced them and surrounded them with truth. Well, the teacher Listed or Solomon listed his parents in verse three, and we'll read it in a moment. He credits them with the quality of life that their wisdom provided him. He recommended that true and tried wisdom then to his children, and so the family cycle continues. Number three, he encouraged them to follow the example and teach their own children. So David, though... Um, David obviously wasn't a perfect dad. He was, uh, as we talked about last weekend, he was a great uh, um, forgiver. He uh, forgave uh, Saul when he was trying to kill him. He grieved over his death. Um, He sang his praises. So uh, David was a great man with a forgiving heart. But then if that is not automatically going to transfer to our kids just by their observation. No, we need to take those principles and teach our children that it's a good thing to forgive. As we talked about last Sunday, that we say, see, son, I, we're going to forgive in this situation um, and when something else comes up we're we're going to make this right and apply biblical principles i've told it before, but when my son was i don 't know about five or six years old, um, he came to faith Christian Academy and there was some there were some little heathens here that were trying to influence my son and uh, so uh, he was maybe a little bit older in this but the man down the street from where we lived at the time came down, and someone had told my son that if the lugs on a car tire were were worth money, and so he went and took a couple of lugs off his car. It was no big deal, but he didn't appreciate it, but anyway, uh, so I was like, what in the world is happening here? Um, with my son, why is he doing this? I'm the pastor. This is embarrassing. And uh, but you can't, you can't say that as an excuse to your kids. And and you can remember things your kids did that really shook you. Like the first time my son, I said, so, and when he was just young, three or so years old, and I said, we're gonna pray. He said, I don't want to pray. And I was, I was like, oh my lord. Immediately I thought. I've got a little heathen here. He's uh he doesn't wanna, he's only three and he doesn't want to pray already. And so anyway, he turned around. But there was a night that I gave him a valuable lesson uh in doing right. We uh, went to the store. It was a, I think a wind dixie down off of Goldenrod. He and I went to the store, and unbeknownst to me, he had gone over to the gum machine and just cranked it like maybe all of us maybe have it one time and gumballs came out and so he stuck them in his pocket and uh, when we got home he pulled them out I guess he was going to eat them and I saw him and I'm like where'd you get those and he said "Uh, well they just came out of the machine I, I turned it and I said and you didn't pay for those and he said no and so I'm like, okay, I got to stop this. He can't be a little thief and, so, uh, and live in my house. So I'm like, son, we got to go back. We got to go back to the store. And him and I got in the car and I, on the way there, I'm like, son, I just hope, I just hope that they don't have a cop there. I just hope that it's going to be okay. I wanted to put the fear of God in him. that he would never take another gumball in his life without paying for it or a, a nut off of a car tire ever again or anything else. And so as God would have it, as we pulled up, sitting in the front of the store is a cop car. And I'm like, this couldn't be better, God. This couldn't be better. And so I'm just saying, son, You know, uh, we're gonna go in there and confess. Of course, he saw the cop car, uh, and uh, poor kid. Anyway, and so we go in and we go over to the counter and say to this young lady there, I start to tell her what happened, and he's down here next to me, and I can start to see her say, Oh, and I'm like, Oh, no, no, no. No, don't you dare ruin my biblical illustration here of not stealing. Don't you dare. Oh, no, no. I had to stop her because she was going to, you know what she was going to say? She said, no big deal. Listen, it, it was a big deal. It wasn't her gumball to give away. No, she. it wasn't hers personally. It was a store. And so I stopped her and said, no, he's going to pay for it. So he paid for it. We walked out of there. He didn't get arrested, and uh, we went home. Uh, But I will assure you that had an indelible impression on his mind. So you take the lessons that God sets up for you in life, and there will be many, and you talk to your kids about it. You don't scare the living daylights out of them with a cop car in the front of the store. But but, uh, anyway, you use illustrations of life to speak wisdom into. their lives and into their hearts, because we don't want them to grow up and be a thief. We want them to grow up and be economically responsible. We do want them to grow up and move away and not live at our house till they're 55. All right. We don't want that. And so we want them to lead a productive life. We want them to raise their own children and teach the principles of God to their own children so that their children will grow up and have families and and teach the principles to their children. That's what we want to do. And so don't be fearful of yours if they're not serving God right now. You just keep claiming it because they are going to come back to God and they're going to influence their children for the kingdom of God. All right. Proverbs chapter four, verse one and two. Proverbs four, one and two, it says, hear my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. I give you good doctrine, good principles of which to live by that God has laid out before us. Good principles. That's why we need to be people of the Word, knowledgeable in the Word, so that the things that we believe are cemented in our heart by the Word because we believe them because of the Word. Well, you know, we've got to break any bad cycles in our families. And uh, my family wasn't perfect, just like yours was not perfect. My mom and dad were not perfect. My mother was, she was pretty close, but uh, my dad was far from it. But you take the good you spit out the bad, you forgive the bad, but you take the good and you use it to further your own life as you serve the Lord and to take those good things and bring them into implementation to your own kids. Uh, and that's why, see, unfortunately, people that, um, people that abuse or are abused, then sometimes they go on to abuse, except when Christ steps into the middle of their life. Uh, years ago, there was a young lady that was placed in a facility, and she was having some issues. and And I was talking to one of the people there, and they found out that her father was an alcoholic, and so. They said, oh, well, her father's an alcoholic. Well, that's her problem. She's, she's going to be an alcoholic, or she's prone to alcoholism. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, let, don't be ever believe that stuff. Uh, no, there's, there are unquestionably generational curses, per se, that, that follow generations, but it's when Christ is not involved in their life, you are prone to do things like your parents. Uh, but when Christ steps in your life, you are prone to go another direction. That is the way of Christ. So, so we are, no, somebody just because my father drank for years and years and years. He was a secret alcoholic. Um, it's been a while since I touched any. Okay? So I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, i don 't have a problem with alcohol. I can go by a store. I can go into a liquor store. I will not be tempted. They were people will, could be drinking around me. I will not be tempted because I am not an alcoholic i 'm a child of God and uh, so I am not an alcoholic uh, and so we don 't let the world influence us and cause us to believe things that are contrary to the Word of God. all right, let me just read you these verses i don 't think we highlighted them. Proverbs chapter four, verse three. Through four or three and four. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me. He's talking about King David. He, King David taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. He also taught me and said to me, um, David was a good man. He was a man after God's own heart, but he did not, he failed in some areas of raising his boys. Now, he had a lot of boys. I don't know exactly how many, but he had seven wives, seven, um, and uh, had several sons. Uh, he had some of them that he uh, was not the best parent to, maybe, because Amon. Ended up raping his half-sister, Absalom. Ended up turning against his father, as loyal as David was to King Saul. Absalom totally betrayed David and lost his life as a result. So there were some issues there. Uh, King David had, we know, seven wives. He may have had concubines, but uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know any reference to that. Seven wives. Of course, What parents sometimes do in moderation, their children do in excess. So then Solomon comes along and he has how many wives? Not seven, but 700 wives and 300 concubines. No wonder he fell away from God. Anyway, and so 700 wives and three, because those wives turned his heart away. Many of those wives were from foreign lands and they served idols and uh, and there were spirits at work there in that worship that they were committing or involved in and so they turned the heart of Solomon. Well, uh, so David did though talk to Solomon, I'm not sure when this was occurring. I don't know if it was a regular occurrence because uh, abs, uh, because he was certainly one of David's favorites. And let me stop there. We are not to have favorite children. We, Dear Lord, I can't believe anybody here on a Wednesday night would ever say to a child or a grandchild, they're my favorite. Oh my Lord, don't ever, ever say something like that, all right? Uh, do, do, if you want to call one of them your favorite, do what I did when I went on a trip overseas years ago. I, I left all three of mine a note, and I said to them, you are my favorite, don't tell the others. And then I'd write to the other one, you are my favorite, don't tell the others. And to the third, you're my favorite, but don't tell the others. Of course, they told the others. And so, and they all found out they were my favorite. So, and Alice and I, nine grandkids. But uh, of course, we're not going to say one of them is our favorite because they're all unique gifts from God to our lives and to their parents. Well, King David took time to have conversation with his son, men I challenge you. Those of you that have small children at home, those of you that have teenagers, I challenge you: talk to them more. Maybe, maybe you're a reserved man, but talk to them more. Trust me in this. I, I didn't talk to my kids enough, to be honest with you. How does that? How is that even possible? As a pastor, looking back, hindsight is twenty uh, 20, twenty, and uh, we can see things looking back that we didn't really see in the of it and so now looking back I realize I should have done this and that I I should have told my daughters more often they were beautiful I, I should have spoken words more because they want to hear words words have life and so we speak over their lives words that are powerful well there are a lot of problems today in America with teenagers there are, I just read an article on how teenagers, so many teenagers are depressed. And I'm like, how in the, what in the world is going on? I came across an article that I thought I would just give you quickly. For those of you, how many of you still have kids at home? Let me see your hand. All right, all over the building. Here's some reasons why teenagers have um, so much anxiety today. And of course, this person is blaming it uh, too much on the parents, I believe, but anyway, they say, and I believe this, electronics offer an unhealthy escape. Um, It lets kids escape uncomfortable emotions like boredom, Loneliness or sadness, and so they go to the screen, they go to their electronics, they go to their games, uh, and whatever, uh, and they get on these different apps, and so they uh, escape by being on screens, and there are studies being done right now, and have been done, that especially with little boys, they are so men boys are so visually impacted and screen time excessive screen time is causing severe damage in little boys in their behavior and their mental development and their and especially in their vocal skills. So uh, please, I challenge you to really examine that. And I know it's easy to put a screen in front of them or turn the television on, but they're your kids. And so do everything you can to make sure that uh, they get the affirmative things they need and don't escape into the world of electronics. All right. Number two, happiness is all the rage. Some parents think their job is to make their kids happy all the time. I'm sure no one here. Use these if you want for somebody that you know, all right? Number three, parents are giving unrealistic praise. I read this and I thought, oh, well, that's probably true. All right, you're the fastest runner. You can do anything in the world. You can on, on and on and on and on. Overdo praise, unrealistic praise. Uh, I understand encouragement, I understand uh, saying positive things to your kids, getting them to dream about big things, but saying things that are untrue about them can also lead to feelings of not meeting the expectations. Number four, parents are getting caught up in the rat race. Many parents have become, listen to this, many parents have become like personal assistants to their teenagers, whether it's sports or uh, coaching them in some other way, uh, these poor parents that out in California that. Paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their their children in, in these elite schools. Uh, anyway, I mean it's they're they're just caught up with their their kids and trying to overcompensate. And we all do that to some extent. We all want to step in. And now I, I find myself still. My kids are grown, and still when they have a problem, and. And if they call me, it's like, I want to fix it for them. And uh, yet I know that God can fix it for them. And they don't need to look to me as a source. They need to look to God. They need to see miracles from, come from God, not from me. And uh, yet it's, you're, as a parent, you, you just, you want to do away with the pain and help them in any way you possibly can. Number five. Kids aren't getting, uh, aren't learning emotional skills. This is unreal. But it says a national survey of first-year college students revealed that 60% feel emotionally unprepared for college life. If somebody, when I went off to college, would have said, do you feel emotionally prepared? <laughs> I would have said, what? What? I don't feel financially prepared, but I, uh, I feel emotionally. What's the big deal? Going to college, I mean, big, big deal. Of course, I feel emotional emotionally prepared. they got to have their safe places now. And I'm not making, yeah, I am. I'm kind of making fun of them. And so, I mean, it's ridiculous. Dear God, somebody didn't let them grow up. So we're not going to fall into that silliness. But uh, number six. Parents view themselves as protectors rather than guides. Many parents begin believing their role is to help their kids grow up with as few emotional and physical scars as possible. Wow. These kids have grown up to believe they're too fragile to cope with the realities of life. Boy, there's a lot of truth to this that is applicable to the wisdom of Solomon that uh, in raising up children and these guidelines for modern day 2019. Number seven, adults don't uh, know to help kids face their fears or don't know to help kids face their fears the right way. They let their kids opt out of anything. That sounds anxiety-provoking. Oh, you want to quit that class? Okay, okay, there's no problem. Quit the class. I don't want you to suffer anything emotionally. Uh, just quit. Oh, you don't want to play? Oh, well, quit. No. Sometimes you need to say, "I paid good money for that. You are not quitting." What do you mean you are quitting? You're not a quitter. So, uh, so sometimes, oh my goodness, and and we all have. Fallen short of the glory of God, of parenting skills, All right, Number eight, parents are parenting sometimes out of guilt and fear and just a couple other things. Number nine, uh, kids aren't being given enough free time to play on their own or with other kids without mom and dad or hover, hovering over like a helicopter, you know. And, and uh, some parents, oh, we gotta, they got to be there at every moment. When I was growing up, half the time, my mother didn't even know where I was, you know, and so we were out in the woods or somewhere else and playing, or my brother and I, we were beating the stuffings out of each other, you know, in the, in the backyard. She didn't even know about it until later when we showed up with wounds. Yes, we lived, we managed through it, we forgave each other, we hurt each other. I shot him with a BB gun. Yes, I did. And he deserved it. It was in the, you know, it got caught in his pants. I didn't shoot his eye out, but anyway. Uh, but, I mean, we, we overcame those things in the rough and tumble of life. We don't need parents. All, you know, uh, babysitting every single moment of their lives or existence with their kids and making sure that no harm comes to them. Sometimes, anyway, I won't go there. All right, number 10. Family hierarchies are out of whack, okay. Kids, even though they act like they want to be the leader, they really don't. They want their parents to be leaders. And even, and, uh, but when there is dissension in the leadership hierarchy, when mom is not listening to dad, and dad is not uh, discussing things with mom, and mom is not agreeing, and she's you know, telling that mom and dad are getting in a fight. Because, yeah, dear God, have mercy. Let me say something here. Biblically speaking, wives um, are to be uh, caring and husbands are to be, or wives should be respectful. Husbands should be totally loving as Christ loves the church. And they discuss things, they don't argue, they don't disagree in front of their kids. Uh, they, don't be, they don't fight in front of their kids. No, I, I said that. They don't fight in front of their kids. You want to fight, go to your bedroom and fight, all right? And close the door and uh, fight, yell at each other with a whisper, all right? Learn how to do it right, some of you don't know how to do it right. You yell at each other right in the kitchen in front of God and your kids and everybody. And uh, go to your bedroom, whisper, fight it out, and with a whisper, all right? And then grab each other, hug, kiss, make up, all right, before you come out of your bedroom. All right, anyway, where am I at for heaven's sakes? Okay. Um, okay, somebody needed that. I don't know who, but somebody needed that. Uh Oh, I know where I was going. Okay, wives, don't look at me bad now, all right? Because I'm telling you. Somebody has to make the final decision. And if there is disagreement, I'm going to tell you who gets to make the final decision. God does. And God says, I delegate the man to make the final decision. So, if you're going to go by biblical principles... I'm feeling a little resistance here. I'm just telling. You. I'm, I'm just feeling a little resistance. Uh, that's okay. You're gonna get through it. You go to your safe place later tonight and pray through. You can get in that safe place and pray through. All right. So, because, it's, it just throws everything out of whack. And ladies, uh, sometimes he's gonna make the wrong decision. And when, (laughs) yes, we know, okay, so we don't have to get too excited, but um, yes, he's going to make the wrong decision. And you're going to say, honey, I love you. I, I, I don't agree, but I'm going to, you know, you're, God's going to hold you accountable. And so I'm going to submit And I'm going to pray that even if this is the wrong decision, that God is going to turn it around for our good. That's what God wants to do. And you're never going to say, when it fails, sometimes his decision will fail. You're never going to say, I I told you so. I I tried to tell you. You wouldn't listen to me. Next time, I guess you'll listen to me. You know, no. Next time, you're going to do the same thing. If he says, we're going to do this, no, I don't, you know, this is what we're doing, period, end discussion. If it's something that's, now, if it's something that's a sin, then you have a right to step in and say, honey, I love you, but I can't do that. But if it's not a sin and it's just a decision, uh, somebody has to make the final one and he should consult and it's wrong if he doesn't, and it's wrong if he doesn't submit with each other and lovingly come to these kind of decisions. But if he makes an a, a off-the-cuff decision, then you support him and you pray that God will teach him through that. He'll be a better husband through that and you're not going to rub it in his nose. No, of course not. And you're never going to say, I'm not going to listen to him. My God have mercy. Dear Jesus, talk to Jesus about it. He'll straighten you out. All right, so anyway. um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 8. Exalt her, and she will promote you. Exalt wisdom, and she will promote you. Um, She will bring you honor when you embrace her. You embrace wisdom. Uh, You embrace it. Uh, Embrace wisdom. Honor wisdom. Rejoice in wisdom wisdom, the wisdom of God is greater than all the degrees behind the most learned professor at UCF. The wisdom of God. I think it's Psalm 2 where it says God sees the folly of this world and the wisdom of this world and God laughs at the wisdom of this world. It's like, it's like ants having a doctorate degree and thinking they're brilliant and know everything just because they can build an ant hill. When God sees everything and God created the ant, um, you are the depository of God's wisdom. And though... People may be able to pronounce words and know things and the knowledge of this world with great accuracy. And I respect those who have studied hard and learned their earned their degrees. I respect that. But I don't respect the attitude that they would think somebody that believes in God, that believes that. The word of God is God's word. I don't respect someone that would say that's folly and foolishness to believe in God you've never seen. And so, um, no, you cherish wisdom. You go after God's wisdom. You apply God's wisdom. You keep doing what we did at the beginning of this service, asking God for wisdom. Wisdom and God will use you in incredible ways, and you will know things that others that don't know God will never know until they come to know God. Then their eyes will be open, then their minds will be illuminated. But you and I get to walk around with his wisdom. And we don't get proud of that, no. Even if God uses us, even if, uh, uh, even if we in a situation expound, expand or expound on that wisdom and others are greatly impressed, no, we're like, I am nothing. God is everything. And uh, so we give the glory to God, but we let him use us with his wisdom. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you that this tonight would be a pivotal moment in every one of our lives. God, help us to apply your wisdom. God, and if there are things that we need to know from you that we would search out your words, Lord, it's the it's a depository of your wisdom, the word of God. And I pray, Father, you would help us to apply that word, to apply, oh Lord God, in every situation, the, the spirit of Christ that is prevalent in and through the word to a world that's dying and lost without Christ. Holy Spirit of God, move on every heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, for any in this building that do not know Christ, my heads are bowed, and you're Christians, you're praying. If there are those in this building that don't know Christ, I'm just telling you, you don't, you have no clue what awaits you if you just say yes to God. Yes to his forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here. As a young person, you got your whole life ahead of you, your whole life. God has some incredible plans for your life, plans to do you good, not plans to harm you, plans to do you good. And So I ask you, challenge you, let him do those plans through your life. Let him make the difference in your life. By you saying yes to God. So cross this building. If that's you, whether you're young or older, you need Christ. Slip your hand up now. Let me see it. Cross this building. God bless you. Anyone? Others, quickly. Lift it up. Just lift it up. Anyone else in this building? Others. Yes, God bless you. Stand with us, please, all over the building. Stand with us, please. Jesus. Um. We're rejoicing, Hector. Where are you, Hector? Um, where you at, buddy? Hector? Got? Oh, there you are. We're. Um, I don't have the lights up. I can't see that well out there. <laughs> All right. Um, we're we're going to try to um, we're going to try to get it on a recording and and um, we're speaking on a thankful heart this weekend. So we're going to try to record it, but he came reporting tonight um, that the tumor he had in his throat's gone. And so praise you, Father. God have mercy. So um, we debated whether to bring him up here earlier or let him do it for the whole weekend. So weekend one out all right but anyway we we wanted to tell them anyway Hector and so we're going to record you later with your permission well you already gave it all right so anyway um God's good God is so so good he's so good he's so good he's so good and we're we're believing for more miracles to happen for miracles just to happen throughout this body of believers, just miracles being poured out. And uh, I believe that, I don't believe, I know that's the will and the desire of God. So tonight, Pastor John's going to lead us in a chorus. And as he leads us, if you raise your hand, you need Christ or there's some other need in your life. Maybe it's a decision you're facing. You just need a lot of, you need that wisdom applied and and, uh, to understand the will of God for your life as you walk through open doors and stop when the door is closed and give God praise. I said, when the door is closed, just give him praise. Amen. And uh, so. Pastor John lead us you slip out and come if you raise your hand over here a couple yes slip out and come I do that now would you
1: God. I've been set free my God my savior has ransomed
0: and come make your way here you raise your hand you need christ slip out
1: and come father god in the name of
0: Pastor John's going to lead us in prayer. Those of you that are becoming new members, if you'll slip out after this prayer, go to the main staircase and then we'll see you over in the cafeteria with your guests or family members and, and many blessings to all of you. If you meet somebody between now and Saturday that needs help for Thanksgiving, tell them about the outreach. and the haircuts and the clothes that are available, used clothes that are available. So God bless you richly.
2: Pray, Pastor John. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your presence in this place, and we thank you for your word over our lives tonight. Thank you for your wisdom that you're speaking to each and every one of us, God, and we know that through that, Lord, through this this word, God, you've drawn so many to these altars, Lord God. You've drawn us closer to you all over this room. You've drawn us close to you over this broadcast, God, and I pray, Lord God, that as we are close to you, God, you would permeate our lives, God. I pray in Jesus' name that every need would be met. I pray, Lord God, that salvation Salvation and deliverance would be uh, your people's portion today. I pray in Jesus' name that your wisdom would continue to grow in our lives, God, that we might live out the victory that you've promised us in your word. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we go from this time together, Lord, that we wouldn't go from your presence, but that you would keep us and lead us and guide us each and every day, Lord God. We promise that when we come back together, if we live to see that day, Lord, we will give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you so much. Pastor Wayne is here to serve anyone communion that would like to take it tonight. Otherwise, we love you so much, and we'll see you again very soon. God bless.